Hey, it's John from the Open Door Presbyterian Church um, here in the Garfield, Stanton Heights neighborhoods of Pittsburgh. Uh, This week's podcast is our sermon from last Sunday, and it's a little bit late coming out. This is a sermon that gets into the Open Door's uh, five practices. We really focus in on two in this sermon, the practice of listening to God and to others, and the practice of encouragement. Um, Our five practices really ground us um, as a church. They really give us a way of being in the way of Jesus together as a congregation. So hope you enjoy the sermon, listen in, and uh, come out uh, to the Neighborhood Academy on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and join us for worship sometime. Here's our scripture for today. It's Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues, and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. You just heard um, Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. I, uh, I'm kind of excited about this passage. Every once in a while, with the lectionary, it seems really often with the lectionary, um, there are passages that just fit really well with kind of what we're doing as a community, where we are as a community. Um, and I think this one fits really well. Last weekend, um, we all recited the Open Doors Five Practices. Do you remember that? Raise your hand if you were at the Vogue Club. 
And we recited when, when Damon, Alexandra, and, um, oh yeah, Lauren, I always forget Lauren Burdett because she's been around so long. And Lauren Burdett became members. We as a community recited our five practices together, and they kind of said yes to the five practices that we, we call our communal practices. Having a set of communal practices as a part of um, membership or covenant partnership in our church is kind of unique for churches. Usually churches simply, we just do the I believe part, but we don't really talk about the I will act or I will do or I will be a part of this community in this way. And that's what the practices of the open door are about. They're about not just uh, membership being something that we all like. We all agree on these like this list of um, theological things, but also here's how we live together as a community. It's really easy to lose that piece, and so it's something that we have to come back to over and over and over again. We sometimes we call them um, rhythms. Not just practices, but they're rhythms that we build into our life. And so as a community, we also need to rhythmically come back to what it means to be a part of this community called the Open Door. And not all churches do that. Some do, some do not. Most, many don't. Of course, though, every community has practices. I just think they're, they're less kind of defined and they're less... Um, the, the thing that holds that community together. So we try to make our practices something that helps bond us together. Jesus, in our passage, if we're going to come back to you over and over again, um, Jesus sounds like a parent in part of it. Um, he says, do as the Pharisees say, not as the Pharisees do. Maybe that's where we got the saying. Do as I say, not as I do. Maybe we got it from Jesus. Of course, Jesus isn't saying that about himself like we do as parents when we do the wrong thing when we know what we should be doing and we tell our kids to do it. But Jesus is talking about the Pharisees here. I think Jesus' most consistent rebuke of the Pharisees is that they're hypocrites. And that's what he's talking about here. They don't put into practice what they preach. I wonder how Jesus um, thinks about the church today in the world. Any parent knows that saying, do as I say, not as I do, is completely futile, right? That you don't get good results when that's your parenting uh, philosophy, right? Your kids are going to do what you do, like you do it even if you try to tell them to do something different. Our kids end up being much like us, whether we like it or not, whether they like it or not. Kids end up, like all of them, I mean, as adults, we, you, you probably like me, you're like, oh man, that felt like something my dad would have said. And I feel, have that feeling a lot. Or, or your mom, or whatever. We are either struggling to be different from our parents, or we are a lot like our parents because they raised us. We're shaped by our family's practices, our own practices, 
the practices of those that love us. We can often be like the Pharisees and say things like, do as I say, not as I do, but it's not a good parenting practice. We're shaped more by what they do than by what we think. We're shaped by what we do also as individuals and as a community, more than by what I say or somebody else says from a imaginary pulpit or um, what we say we think or what we say we believe, we are shaped as a community and as individual followers of Jesus by what we actually put into practice. Jesus, as I said, most consistent rebuke of the Pharisees is probably what would be his most consistent rebuke of the church. That is that we can be hypocritical. We don't put into practice what we preach. And Jesus doesn't say in our passage that learning the scriptures and traditions is unimportant. Actually, he says, do whatever the Pharisees teach you and follow it. I, that's pretty interesting, right? Um, that's verse, right at the beginning. Verse 20, uh, chapter 23, verse 3. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. So that he starts with how important it is to have the thinking, the brain going, the, the theology, the understanding of our tradition. And what we think is very important. But alone, it falls short. Jesus leads his disciples to put into practice, on the simplest of terms, the foundations of Jewish law and theology. I think that the, the key things that Jesus helps his disciples put into practice are love your neighbor as yourself, love God with everything you've got, and then even he takes a step further and says love your enemies. What we learn becomes transformative when we put it into practice. So the purpose of our practices is not that we be seen by others, Jesus says in verse, um, I think it's 28. He says, don't do these practices so that others see what you're doing. Do these, practice your faith so that you can be transformed. Some faith practices are completely private. They're things that we can do um, to find solitude with God. But many of our practices are communal. We do them together. Some practices are public, but not to be done for show. They're done humbly, sometimes anonymously. So uh, this Friday, um, we had a, volunteer, a big volunteer day at the farm. And I used to lead volunteers at the farm like multiple times a week. But as my job has changed, I do that less often. So whenever there's a big group and I'm, I'm the one who's on for that day, it, it's really fun. I love leading volunteers at the farm because we get so much done and I get to teach a little bit. This was a really fun day. So we're at the farm uh, Friday morning 
It was an awesome group, and you're never going to believe what their profession was. They were all, they all worked together. They were, believe it or not, accountants. <laughs> and other people who deal with finances. They were mostly young adults, and um, they worked really hard. Often, the culture of a business, like when businesses say, all right, we're doing a, an official volunteer day, and they show up at the farm. Often, those groups are not like the best groups to work with. Like they have to be there, they, they feel like it's a waste, they're thinking about other things, so yeah. We've had days like that that hardly get anything done. This group was different and I didn't, I wasn't sure why at first. But now I, I think I do. Um, there was one man, his name was Mike, I met him in the beginning. Um, and he worked right alongside everybody else who was working. He asked me a lot of questions. He really wanted, he was really curious about the farm. Where's the food go? How do you distribute the food? What are, like, what are we growing here? Um, had lots of great questions. I could tell he was, he was genuinely interested and curious. Um, I put him on one of the hardest jobs that we had. So there, if you've been up to the farm, you see that we put up a new fence last year. But there's this old section of fence that Carl Thomas has done a lot of work on uh, that is like covered in vines because we just ignored this area for a long time. And so the fence is still there, but it's just like engulfed in this horrible, twisted uh, maze of vines all over it. So we're trying to get that old fence out, and that part of the farm is really being transformed. And so I put him and another guy working in there, and they worked hard. They went right for the, like, the worst spot of the fence, and they worked for a long time. And the other guy he was working with, he was like the leader of the day. So the, they, they had chosen one of their co-workers. And I found out that he was not like a guy who normally led within this group of 30 people. A lot of people didn't really know him. He was a little intimidated by the idea that he, he gathered everybody in the beginning. He like did introductions introduced me and AJ, but he seemed kind of tentative about it. He ordered the food and he was really worried that he didn't get enough food or the right food for everybody. So those two guys, well, they worked together. And um, it was really, really cool to see them working. But I had no idea until the very end that Mike is one of the partners, the owners of the company. He did nothing to like, show that he was the guy, he was everybody's boss. He was taking instructions just like everybody else. He didn't come to me and say, oh, by the way, I, I own this company and aren't they great? Like, he just got to work and showed his curiosity. And I think that is why everybody else was like, this is great, I'm having fun, because he was having fun. We're getting stuff done, we don't want to quit. Like, they didn't want to end when time was over because they were in the middle of getting some really good stuff done. He was leading by example. He was practicing something. He was an example to his team. This story of working with Mike and the other guy, Sam, at the farm on Friday, it reminds me of the purpose of our communal practices. That they, they build us up as a team in what it is 
what mission God leads us into. Mission in the world. And over the past few years, since the pandemic, we've had to let go of some things and focus on how can we most simply be the open door. And I think as we move into bringing in an interim, as we refocus on who we are and what we're about, we're going to have opportunity to begin putting into practice again our, our, the ways that we follow Jesus, our five practices, what we believe God is calling us to in the world and in our own spiritual lives. Back in our scripture, Jesus says that instead of having teachers, spiritual fathers, he actually says, don't call anyone father. He talks about not calling people instructors or teachers. So interesting. But put, don't put people on a pedestal because of their spiritual maturity or spiritual whatever. Don't put people on a pedestal. And then Jesus suggests two things. He says, we are all teachers. We are all learners. And then he's, he kind of leads me to believe that instead of needing charismatic, talented leaders, we need to believe that God is in fact active in and through our communal leadership. Anyone who um, takes a, a step to follow in the way of Jesus is worth following and therefore is a leader. One step on the journey. And our, everyone has a different journey. But we, the open door, have chosen to journey together. Practices and faith communities can define who we are and how we find belonging. So of our five practices, at least three of them are communal practices. We can't really do them without each other. Our practices of eating together. The practice of eating, when you first see that eating is a practice of ours, I think, I, what is, huh? Maybe? Um, no, it's about eating with others because Jesus did it. It's this this powerful thing. We have a table set every single week at the front of worship. Eating together, looking for opportunities to have a meal with others. It's a communal practice. Um, encouraging others is a communal practice. Knowing each other enough to know when someone needs a hand, when they need a shoulder to, to lean on. Encouraging one another is a communal practice. And of course, giving of ourselves is a communal practice. Giving in ways that brings transformation to the world, that's a community thing. And there's a good argument that our two other practices, listening and learning, can also be done in community, right? But I think they're also practices of solitude. So I don't want to say only communal things are, are, are of worth. There are practices and times where solitude is also extremely important practice. So our communal practices define how we find belonging with one another at the open door. Practices also push us out into the world. They're missional. They push us 
to not just think about who's here on a Sunday morning, but really, who's not here on a Sunday morning? Where is there suffering in the world that maybe God is calling us uh, into in some way? About 15 or 20 years ago, this um, uh, movement within, especially the mainline church, developed called the Missional Church. Do you remember that, that word and that, that idea of the Missional Church? I can't believe it was 15 to 20 years ago when we started using the word missional a lot. Missional churches define themselves as churches that prioritize their witness in the world through service and through love of neighbor, through understanding of social contexts and taking active roles in a community. The missional church movement helped push some churches especially mainline churches, um, to think outside their doors, to put their money in ways that would bless people outside their doors. Even the PCUSA's Book of Order says clearly that the church is the mission of God in the world. Think about that. The church is the mission of God in the world. That's a big calling for the church. Fun little fact, I met our um, soon-to-be interim pastor who will be with us for somewhere between one and two years this week. We had lunch. It was a great, great conversation. Really enjoyed it. And we were talking about this was in my head at the time. So somehow we were in a conversation about mission and he said, well, you know, the PCUSA, it says in the Book of Order. So I don't actually read the Book of Order very often. But I'm already quoting my soon-to-be coworker. PCUSA's Book of Order. The church is the mission of God in the world. Thank you, Doug. So, our practices, they're really broad, right? Listen, learn, eat, encourage, give. When we came up with those, we wanted them to be something you could like count super fast, just remember easily. What are the five things that help draw us together as a community and help us follow Jesus? But they're super broad. They're really more like, like themes that we need to hook. Like imagine there's like those five five things hanging. And we need to we need to like decide. All right, here's how I'm going to listen. The practice of listening. Here's how I do that. And you kind of take yours, and and that's your actual practice under under what we call the practice of listening. So we develop our own practices, and as we develop our own practices, those that that's what, that's called a um, a rule of life. Sometimes we call it. It's how we decide we want to, to grow uh, deeper in love with Jesus and develop our witness in the world. Our rule of life. Our personal way that we are following Jesus. So over the next few weeks, and this is going to be spread out to me every week, but over the next few weeks, I'm going to try to really come back to our practices consistently. Um and hit upon each of them. Today I want to hit up, hit up, just, I swear this is the last, last thing I got to say. Um, I want to hit on two of them. 
a little bit more. Each of those weeks, I'm going to throw out an experiment for you to try out. Maybe you've let go of these practices. Maybe you forgot that they're a thing for us. Maybe they've become really stale, and you know they are, but eh, I don't, like it, it's not something that affects me in any way, and my uh, coming to church on a Sunday morning. So I'm gonna throw out just an experiment or two each week, uh, or try to do it each week. Might be spread out, because uh, I'm not preaching every week. Um, with these, these practices, these experiments, there's, I want us to do two things. I want us to take them kind of playfully, like an experiment. It's, we're not going to be scientific experiments, but like playful experiments that we're going to try out. And you can change them all you want. But what I would love for you to do is actually try these things. Try building something into your life. Maybe you have an amazing set of practices, a rule of life, um, and you don't need to add anything new. That's fine, too. But for those of us who need to rethink things a little bit, we're going to take these things playfully, and we're going to take them with an expectation that when we do what Jesus suggests we do, like putting into practice uh, what Jesus calls us to, when we do that, Jesus shows up in our lives in some way. We don't, we're not going to define that in any way. But an expectation that God through Christ is active. Okay, so, two experiments that I, that I came up for today. I came up with for today. The first one is under the practice of listening. So, we've done Lectio Divina in worship, right? Do you remember doing Lectio before? And Lectio is, of course, a way of reading scripture that is repetitive, that we're not pulling out a commentary to figure out what like, something means, but it's a way to get into the scriptures that, that we have to have faith that God is at work in the scriptures, or else there's really no reason to do it. So it's a belief that the Holy Spirit will work. So here's, here's my idea. Prepare with, I'm going to put these into an email, these two things. So you can like open up the email and see these um, and send them out early, early this week. Prepare through breath prayer. Read the passage three times then, pausing between. As long as you like between those three readings. This is so simple because the next thing is to focus on your breath. Take as much time for silence as you want, and that's your practice. So for this week, I would love for you to try that five times. That's a lot, right? But how long does it take to read? It could be one verse. It could be a longer passage. It doesn't take that long. So it might be a 10-minute practice. That's what I was saying. A 10-minute practice, and to do it Monday through Friday. And if you miss a day, I really don't care. That's fine. I'll probably miss a day. I'll tell you if I do. So that, that's one. The second one, this is, so choose one of these. The second one, our practice of encouragement. 
I know there are a lot of people who could use encouragement. So, today, maybe even now, if you want to do this practice, we're going to take a moment to just take some silence and consider these. The practice is that we pray about five people that you can handwrite a letter or a card to this week. Part of the practice is to ask God to help you think of five people who need encouragement. Maybe someone will come to mind who you don't know why they came to mind. Just this person pops into your mind. Write him a note that says whatever you want to say. Or maybe there's a better way to reach out. A card would be really weird for me to send to some people. Other people would be totally normal. Or... Or maybe there's another way that you would like to reach out, like a text or a phone call. So try to think of five people. Maybe you know someone who's just gone through something really hard, and it's hard to know what to say. Great person to write a note to. Maybe there are people in your life who you know are lonely or depressed or just sick. I know a lot of people who are sick right now who aren't even here today because they're not feeling There's a lot going around. This is what it looks like to practice encouragement, to pray about who God would like you to reach out to and give encouragement to. So I don't normally do anything like this in a sermon. How's it feel? Do you feel like it's a terrible idea? You're like, all right. He likes it. Thanks, so let's try those. Maybe now I'm saying five people. Maybe that's too many. That's fine. It, it really is fine. But let's take this as an opportunity to put two of our five practices into practice this week. Okay? Let's take some silence. Let you think about if you would like, like which of those two you want to try this week. What you want to do this week. Um, and maybe pray about how you want to do it, when you want to do it, um, who God's laying in your heart. So let's take some time in silent prayer. I'll ring the bell at the beginning here and then in a few moments. 